this morning, I got my dog with me. I felt like just tag team preaching on this Valentine's Day with Murphy. This is Murphy. Everybody say, hi, Murphy. Murphy, calm down. It's going to be okay. The message today is starving or satisfied. That's a good message for Valentine's Day. Starving. Turn to the person next to you. Are you starving or satisfied? Murphy, are you starving or are you satisfied? I got some treats with me this morning, and I think Murphy knows I got some treats, some puppy treats. And, um, and, and for those who are watching online right there in your house, you guys, you guys must be cozy in your homes with your pajamas, your blankets. Maybe you got your puppy at home with you. Maybe you got some meal out there watching online. You got your breakfast. We're just, we're sitting here in church just thinking about you at home, eating your breakfast, cuddled up on your blanket, on your couch, wherever you are. Murphy, Murphy, I got some treats for you. No, 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 you can't have it yet. You see that? He was going for it. I'm, I'm, listen, I want to talk to you today about how to wait and how to wait from a place of satisfied instead of starving. How many of you guys are waiting on something in your life? You're waiting on a desire to come to pass, waiting for a breakthrough, waiting for a promotion, waiting for a miracle, waiting for a woman, waiting for a man, waiting to have children, waiting for your children to grow up, waiting for your kids to move out of the house. Wait, how many of y'all are waiting on something? All right, most of us in this room are waiting. Did you know that the average American life is 78.2 years? I don't mean to scare any 78-year-olds in the room. You got a long life in front of you. But out of those 78.2 years, they say, scientists and research says that we will spend 14 of our years waiting, waiting in traffic, waiting on the phone, waiting on hold, waiting on our family, waiting for a, an airplane, waiting for something, waiting for things. 14 years of our life are spent waiting. How many of you guys have a desire that hasn't been fulfilled yet? All right. And I'm not just talking about a desire to get married or desire to have sex, desire to have children one day, but even the desire for a dream in your heart to come to pass. How many of you guys have desires that haven't been fulfilled yet? Most of us in this room have needs and desires that we haven't seen met yet. It doesn't mean that they won't be met. And it also doesn't mean that those needs or desires are bad. The truth is God gave us the gift of desire. Desire itself is a gift. Now, Murphy, he lives constantly with desires. This guy in our house, he is a thief. He takes everybody's food and he, like, he is constantly starving. He acts like we never feed him. Murphy, we feed you every day, most of, most of the time. Some, some days we, no, I'm just kidding. We, we feed him every day. But he goes around and he's constantly looking to take anyone's meal he can find. How many of you guys have a dog at home? an inside dog. And does your dog just linger in the kitchen? Anytime someone's pulling out food from the refrigerator, food from the pantry, our dog is right next to, we have four little kids. They're toddlers. Anytime we have food in the kitchen, food on the, the counter, on the table, Murphy is just looking to steal someone's food. He's constantly hungry. He's constantly acting like he's starving. This is what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10. If you have your Bibles, you could turn there with me at home. We're going to put the scripture on the screen. You can make some noise this morning. Come on, help me preach. Help me and Murphy preach. Roof, roof. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> uh, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10 says this. Wanting more, wanting more, Murphy, leads to never enough. All right, there's a treat for you. But watch, he gets that treat. And as soon as he finishes it, I'm telling you, his eyes are going to go to the next. There he goes. He's looking. 
<laughs> he wants another treat. This is what Solomon says, wanting more leads to never enough. We live in a world, a society that's obsessed with wanting more, 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 more. And we download more apps that drive us to have more of an appetite for the things we don't have yet. And, and I'll tell you this, because here's the thing, some of us think, well, as soon as I get this, I'll be happy. As soon as I get married, I'll be good. As soon as we buy our house, I'll be fine. But then you download Zillow and you start looking at other people's houses and you download this app and you start looking at other people's lives. You see other people's cars and you see what they own or you see people who are having kids and you start thinking, man, if I could just, if we just had kids, if I just had a girl, if I had a boy, if I just had what they have, then I would be satisfied. And here's the thing, when you're a starving person, everything around you and everyone around you is a means to an end. Everything becomes something, an object that you now use for your own advantage. And once you get it, you think you're gonna be happy, but you're not. Solomon says it leads to only wanting more. It's a bottomless pit. Now, that's coming from the guy who had more money than anybody. He had more wives. Solomon had a thousand wives. That's way too many wives, right? And then he had so much money. He had a palace. He had all this intellect. He had books. He had everything. But he said, the more I want, it leads to me feeling like I never have enough, which tells me that stuff on this earth, even relationships, is never going to fully satisfy the deep longings of my soul. What we need to think about, Murphy, Murphy, come over here. What we need to think about, buddy, we need to think about what is the need beneath the need? What is the longing beneath that feeling of, I'm starving right now? Have you ever said that before? I'm starving, I, I'm just starving. Come on, be honest. How many of you guys have ever said that before? I'm starving. Yeah, yeah, my kids say it. And, and, and our kids, they, they act like Murphy oftentimes. They're like, you haven't fed us in days. I'm like, you just ate a meal yesterday. You just ate a meal three hours ago. But they're in this constant mood, this appetite for more. Now, Brene Brown, who's a counselor, who studies like people, she studies what's what, like the psychology of our society. She says the mantra of our day is never enough. Did you guys ever see that movie, The Greatest Showman? You remember in The Greatest Showman, the man is chasing after fame. He's chasing after the applause of people. He's chasing after treasure, riches, gold. And he builds his own circus. And he has all these people coming. The crowds keep on coming. And then the crowds aren't enough. Now he wants to travel. So he does, he takes the show on the road. He travels with this girl and she sings this song. Never enough, never, never, never enough. Never, never, never enough. There we go, Murphy. Just getting his attention. And, and the whole point of that movie is it's never enough. And finally, at the end of the movie, he realizes, I already had what I was looking for. I already had enough to be happy. Somebody say, I have what I need. Now, in the Bible, there was a guy who lived with a starving mindset, and it ruined his destiny. It's in Genesis 25, verse 27. And it says this, the two boys grew up. These two boys, their names were Jacob and Esau. They were the grandsons of Abraham, the father of our faith. Y'all remember father Abraham had many sons, many sons had father Abraham. So Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had two boys, Jacob and Esau. When they came out of their mother's womb, they came out already in a competition. 
And um, I feel like if Murphy's out here, you're, you're not gonna listen to my sermon. I'm, I'm gonna get Murphy out of here. Whoever, whoever's supposed to take Murphy. Thank you, Sarah. It says the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. And Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. We all need something. We all desire something. For some of you in the room, you desire more intimacy in your house. You desire more peace in your home. You desire more affection. You desire more affirmation. All of us have desires, and those desires are from God. It is not evil to desire intimacy. It is not sinful to desire affection. It's not sinful to desire the things that your flesh or your, your soul craves. But how you go after those desires will determine if your desires control you or you control your desires. Whether you live starving or you live satisfied. When Jacob was cooking some soup, Esau came in from the open country and he was starving. He was famished. Be careful where you go when you are tired. Be careful who you call, who you text when you are starving. Be careful what environment you place yourself in when you are tired, hungry, angry, and lonely on Valentine's Day. I'm preaching to somebody who needs to hear this prophetically right now. So Esau comes and he smells that soup. <sighs> smells good. I haven't had soup in a long time. I've been starving. I need it. I want it. A starving mindset says, I won't be happy until I have it. The problem is once you have it, it's still not enough. So Esau tells Jacob, give me that soup. And Jacob says, and he says this in, in verse 31, he says, if you want the soup, if you want it, this is what the enemy always says. If you want, then give me give me. This is what Jacob said. If you want it, give me your birthright. Sell me your future. Sell me your purpose. And Esau was so trapped in the starving moment of his present feelings that he could not see the future purpose of his birthright. And he said, look, I'm about to die if I don't eat that. If I don't get what my flesh is craving and I don't get it right now, I'm going to die without that thing. That's what starving mindset says is I, I can't be happy. I won't be satisfied. I won't be content until I get married, until we have kids, until I have sex. All of these things, all these desires that I have to have it and I have to have it right now. What good is my future to me? What good is my purpose to me? And Jacob said, swear to me that you will give me your birthright. Swear to me that you'll give me your future. So he swore an oath to him. The enemy always promises more than he can deliver. The lust always promises what it cannot deliver. And it, and it promises that you will be satisfied once you get your starving need met and you get it met right now. So he swore an oath and he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And Jacob gave Esau some bread and some soup and he ate it and he drank it and he got up and he left. So Esau despised his future. Lord, speak to us today on moving from starvation to satisfaction. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's talk about this. Um, I want to give you five ways that we can move from starvation to satisfaction, to live a satisfied life. You guys ready to jump into it? All right, number one, to be a satisfied person, I've got to embrace patience. Amen. <laughs> Patience. 
The art of waiting well. Patience says this, I can wait with a good attitude and I don't have to be miserable for my desires to come to pass. By the way, God is not against your desires. He wants those desires to come to pass, those practical desires. He gave us the gift of desire, but he wants us to live with patience until it can come the right way. So there are, there are desires. Again, I asked you in the beginning of this message, how many have desires that haven't been met yet? Most of the hands went up. If we were really honest, 100% of us would raise our hands. So God says, I wanna meet those desires, spiritually and practically. Whether it's your, a relationship, a friendship, some of you moved to Tulsa and you're saying, man, I just desire friends. I feel lonely, I'm all by myself, I'm watching at home. I just desire our nation to get better. I just desire for things to change in the public school system. I just desire this, I just desire that. You have great desires, but while you're waiting on those desires to come to pass, you don't have to be a miserable man. You don't have to be a miserable woman. I just desire to have children. I desire that my kids would, would love the Lord. I desire to get married someday. That's great, that's a, that's a gift from God that you desire that. But while you're waiting, you don't have to be miserable. And this is where patience comes in. 1 Corinthians 13 verse four says, love is patient. Love can wait. If he can't wait, he must not really value you with love. He must be lusting after your body. Love is patient. Love can wait. Song of Solomon 8 verse four says, do not awaken or arouse love before it's due time. In other words, there's a due date for some of the dreams and desires that God has placed in your heart. He, he gives you those desires because he plans and he intends to meet those desires. But while you're waiting on them, he says, don't, don't cause yourself to become even more impatient in the process. Patience, patience doesn't mean you don't have passion. Patience means you channel your passion towards your purpose instead of channeling your passion towards pleasure, right? Because passion without patience leads to unnecessary consequences. Passion without patience leads to impulsive decisions. This is not just for sex, this is also even on money, spending. If you have a desire to have more clothes and a pair of shoes and you saw your friend just get a brand new outfit and you're like, oh, I want that, but you don't have a budget for it and you are passionate about fashion, and you just throw patience out the window, and you get a credit card, and you rack up that credit card, and you buy some more shoes, and another dress, and another outfit, now you're spending five years trying to get out of debt because passion without patience leads to impulsive buying decisions, which leads to unnecessary consequences. And the same thing goes for relationships. There's, there's a plan and a process to see things come to pass. And we can either live unproductive while we're waiting or we can be purposeful while we're waiting. How you wait determines whether you'll be ready for who you're waiting for. So while I'm waiting, as I was single and I was waiting for Ashley, I was, I was asking, God, show me how to be purposeful in this time. Show me how to live in the present and enjoy it. While we were waiting to get married and we were engaged, Lord, show us how to have accountability, boundaries. Show us how to have fun date nights. Show us how to enjoy this time. When we got married and now the new desire was to have kids after Ashley got a dog, you know? She's like, first a dog, then another dog, then kids. And I was like, ah, Lord, help me. But while we were waiting on each part of that process, I was saying, Lord, show me how to make this waiting season purposeful to the point where it feels like I'm not even waiting. In fact, that's how Jacob felt in Genesis 29. Look at this. So the same brother who stole the birthright, by the way, Jacob later became Israel, 
God loves the messed up you. God loves the you that hasn't been improved yet. God accepted Jacob even when Jacob was a liar and deceptive. So Jacob was a broken man that God took into his arms. How many of you are thankful that God takes in the broken you, not just the put together you? Like God wrestled Jacob and let Jacob win. <laughs> and, 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 and then his limp, you know, but through that whole process, Jacob was learning how to, how to know and believe that God loved him. And he was learning and developing a heart of patience. So watch this in verse 10 of Genesis 29, when Jacob saw the woman of his dreams and as a single man, he was very excited. He saw Rachel and he went over and he rolled a stone, a massive mountain of a stone. When a man is in love, he can move stones, right? Later on, he has to move stones out of his heart. <laughs> so Jacob kissed Rachel and he began to weep aloud. I don't know why they say grown men don't cry. Jacob was weeping in front of the girl of his dreams. And he told her dad, I want to marry your daughter. And he said, okay, I'll give you my daughter, but you got to work seven years. Jacob went on to work 14 years for this girl. The average American will spend 14 years waiting on things to happen. Jacob spent 14 years working all together. Look at verse 20. It says, so while Jacob waited, it seemed like only a few days because of his love for Rachel. Everybody go, oh, that's patience. He was waiting and he was purposeful and he wasn't miserable and he wasn't angry. He wasn't shaking his fist at God. He was saying, I can wait for what God has in store for me and I can become a better man while I'm waiting. I can become a better woman while I'm waiting. I don't have to wait with a negative, bitter attitude. I can wait with a positive spirit. Number two, to move in from starving to satisfaction, I'm going to live with vision. I'm going to live with vision. Without a vision, Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, people cast off restraint. When people don't know why they should wait or what they're waiting for, most likely they won't wait. And, and because they won't wait, they'll give in to whatever temporary fleeting desire comes their way. My boys love donuts. I got some donuts with me this morning. And uh, every time we go to the donut shop, our boys get excited. They see the maple donuts. They see the chocolate donuts, the glaze. They see, you know, Ninja Turtle donuts, the sprinkle donuts. And we usually go to Daylight Donuts. Sometimes we go to Krispy Kreme. And, uh, and, and when we go there, the people at the donut shop, they know our family. They start playing that, that song, I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Because our boys, they just, they bring the chaos. And they're in there, they're shouting, they're drooling, looking at the donuts behind the glass. I want it, I need it, I want some more of it. You know, like they're like chanting, dun, duns, dun, duns, dun, duns, dun, duns, dun, duns, dun, duns. They love the donuts. How many of you guys love donuts? Yeah. All right, so our boys, they love donuts. And I tell them, I will get you a donut. We do donut day once a week. I said, I will get you a donut, but you got to wait until we get home to eat these donuts because you will make a mess in, one of our, in our car if, if you try to eat these before it's time to eat them. And so they're like, Daddy, just let me hold the bag. I just need to feel the bag. I just need to touch it. You know, <laughs> like a drug. I don't know. Some, some weird obsession or addiction. I just need to touch the bag. Just need to smell the glaze. Ah, just let me smell that glaze, you know. <laughs> this, I feel like this sermon has a lot of weird moments in it. <laughs> I feel like my brother's going to take like little clips and upload it on YouTube and make, make fun of me. But <laughs> anyways, the boys, they love their donuts, right? And they're all about the dun-duns. And I try to tell them, I promise you, you're going to get them. 
You're going to get them. Just wait. You know, and they're in the car and they're crying. I'm starving. I'm going to die. I need the donut now. I'm starving. I'm like, we just fed you, you know, and I need it. I need it. Come on. How many of you guys have ever been there before? And, and, and even in your journal with God, Lord, I need, I, I want it. I'm watching everyone else get the dun-duns. Why don't I get the dun-duns? And God's saying, you will, you will at the right time. And in the meantime, get a vision. When, when we don't have a vision, we cast off restraint. When you don't know when you're going to eat dinner, then you start looking for whatever is around. And when you don't know what's for dinner, for those who are watching online right now, when you don't know what's for dinner, if there's free dessert around you, it is really hard for you to say no to the dun-duns, right? I, I remember when I was at this college um, hangout and I was at o ORU, Oral Roberts University. Come on, ORU in the house! Those that are watching from home. I remember we were, we were at this girl's house and we were all hanging out. There was about 20 of us. We were all like Christian kids, grew up in the church. And, um, and, and this one person was like, hey, let's play spin the bottle. And if you don't know what spin the bottle is, it's like you turn this bottle and, and whoever it lands on, you kiss them. And so since we were all like, you know, just really, <laughs> we, like we were all very sheltered Christian kids. We were just excited about spin the bottle. Here we are. We're like 21 years old. Who's playing spin the bottle when you're 21? But anyways, we were playing spin the bottle. And, uh, and I was like, I'm not going to play this foolish game. I'm going in the other room. And the other room, there was this movie on Jungle Book, the cartoon with Mowgli. And, and so, so I, I go into the other room. I'm like, I'm a mature guy. I'm going to watch Jungle Book. So I sit down on the floor and I'm watching Mowgli and, and the bare necessities, those simple bare necessities that bring the da 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 life. I'm talking about those. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, you know, I'm sitting in there and I'm, I'm quoting Jungle Book. I'm singing along. And, and this girl comes and sits beside me. And I didn't even know who she was. And it was like lights were kind of like dark. And I, I, was, I was a single guy, not married, just making sure everybody knows this was 15 years ago. <laughs> in the last service, they were like, make sure you clarify this did not happen like in the last 10 years. All right, so it's like I'm 20 years old, 21 years old, single, and I'm sitting there and watching Jungle Book. Next thing I know, this girl leans in and kisses me. I don't know who she is. And I was like, okay. You know, and I, <laughs> and I kissed her back. And next thing I know, we're kissing. And I'm not even playing spin the bottle, just Jungle Book going on. And, uh, and then there was another guy in the room. She turns over, she kisses that guy. And I was like, ah, oh. she comes back, she kisses me. I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna tell you any more details. Bottom line is this, when you don't have a vision, you don't live with any boundaries and Jungle Book happens and it's crazy. And that's why you need a vision for your life. <laughs> Everybody say, get a vision. Get a vision, get a vision. Without a vision, people cast off restraint. So there was this one Valentine's where I was very single. It was Singles Awareness Day for me, dressed up in all black. I was mourning, I was grieving, I was very single. All my friends had dates, serious girlfriends. And, uh, and my dad said, why are you so sad? I said, well, I just wish I had a girlfriend. Wish I had someone that I could hold their hand and you not know, just desires of my heart. I'm starving, I'm just starving for a relationship. And he's like, no, you're not. You are not starving. And I was like, yes, I am. You don't know what it's like to be single. You're married. You've been married your whole life. He's like, no. You know, your mom and I got married when we were 20. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm just so lonely. And I'm lonely. And I'm lonely. And I'm starving. That's what we do. We exaggerate our pains. And they're real. They're real. The pain is real. But I'm telling you, you don't have to live miserable. 
And my dad said, Paul, take your grandma out for a date. And I was like, okay, okay. He's like, take Grand-Gran out for a date. And I was like, all right. So I call up grand I was like, Grand-Gran, you want to go on a date with me? She was like, hmm. <laughs> I was like, she goes, when are you thinking? I was like, maybe Valentine's night. And she was like, let me check my schedule. So she, you know, keeps me waiting for a minute. I'm already just feeling like rejected. And she goes, I'm just kidding with you. Of course I want to go on a date with you. Pick me up at 7 p.m. Where are we going to eat? I said, I got a gift card to Village Inn. She was like, mm, okay. And I was, <laughs> I was like, Village Inn. So we go to Village Inn. I got a patty melt. She got a patty melt. We had chocolate shakes sitting across the table. Had the best date night on that Valentine's with Grain Grin. I moved from starvation to satisfaction. All I needed was perspective shift. I needed someone to change my perspective. A starving person thinks the world revolves around them. A starving person thinks you are here to meet my needs. But a satisfied person says, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to meet other people's needs. A starving single will always be miserable. But a satisfied single will look for other people they can serve and love and give and be a blessing to and minister to. And I'm telling you, there's something attractive about a satisfied single. There's something so attractive about a satisfied single person and a satisfied married person. A satisfied married person. Listen, if we started walking around with satisfaction instead of starvation, we would have a whole lot less chaos and dysfunction in all of our relationships and homes. I'm telling you, this message is for somebody who needs it. So Grand Grand asked me, she said, what's your vision for your future marriage? I'm sitting at Village Inn. She said, make a list. Write down what, what you want in a wife. Write down what kind of house and marriage you want to have. How many kids you want to have. And she said, don't forget to write down what kind of guy you're going to be. Because the most important part of the vision is not who you want, but who you're going to be. Who you're going to be. Work on you. Get a vision for yourself. Number three, trust in God's timing. I want the keys to come out. Listen, God's timing is better than our timing. God always knows the best time, the due date for your desire to come to pass. Whether it's a promotion, whether it's marriage, kids. I remember when my father passed, the night he passed, I had this downloaded vision that hit my heart. The Lord said, you're going to pastor victory someday, but not yet. In the meantime, serve your mom, serve the church, and whatever she needs, say yes. And I remember just getting that vision from God. A year went by. My mom didn't necessarily call on me a whole lot during that year. She had other people she was utilizing. But towards the end of that year, she said, I want you to start helping on Saturday nights. So the end of 2010, coming into 2011, I, I remember preaching on Saturday nights. She said, now I need you to help me with funerals and weddings. Okay, I'm, I might need your help occasionally to lead a pastoral team meeting, whatever you need, mom. And in the back of my mind, I just thought, I wonder if God spoke to her. I wonder if God spoke to the board members because we never really talked about it. And the day came in the middle or the, the latter part of 2011, two years after my dad had passed, where she said, there's something I need to tell you. I said, what is it? What is it? She said, God spoke to your dad that someday you would pastor victory. And he shared that with a board member. And they shared that with me. And I sense that in my spirit too, but it's not time yet. And he knew that it wouldn't be time yet right when he passed. So in the meantime, God's preparing you for this. And the time will come. It might be in 10 years, might be in 15 years, might be in five years. All you need to do is just keep on continuing to grow into who God's called you to be. Don't waste this waiting season. A waiting season can be wasted 
when we're not living with purpose, when we're not living with trust in God. So we're just literally doing whatever our flesh wants to do. And, and we're just settling for whatever temporary fleeting desire that we think is gonna satisfy our flesh and it's never enough. She said, work on you, just grow. And I remember over the next few years, I said, Lord, I don't wanna check out during this time. When she shared that with me, I shared with her my vision and she said, that, so that confirms God spoke to you. Trust that his timing is better. I like A and I like Z. I'm not a huge fan of LMNOP. I usually don't like the middle process, waiting to get to the destination. I just wanna get there. But God leads us through these detours. He leads us through these paths. And he shows us that closed doors are not an accident. Closed doors are not a curse. Restrictions are not a curse. Boundaries are not a curse. This is not a curse that you are waiting on a desire to be fulfilled. This is a blessing. God is preparing you for what he's prepared for you. He's preparing you for the person that he's prepared for you. And if you went into it right now, you might go in too soon. Talent will get you in the room, but character keeps you there. So God says, I want to work on you while you're waiting for this promotion, while you're waiting for this next season. I remember I was out to eat at a restaurant. We were at Cheddar's and uh, Ashley and I went to this Ch Cheddar's restaurant a couple years ago and we, we, we went in there and they said, it's going to be 30 minutes before we can seat you. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, I'm starving. I really want your spinach dip and your chicken Caesar pasta salad like right now. And they were like, just wait. We'll have a table for you. So we're sitting there, 30 minutes goes by. They seat in other people. And I was like, that is not fair. We got here before those people. You know, I'm going up there, I'm checking the list. And <laughs> they're like, trust us. We know when to seat you. And I was like, no, you don't. You forgot about us. That's what we sound like sometimes with God. You forgot about me. That's what Sarah and Abraham sounded like. When God promised Abraham, you will have kids. And Sarah told Abraham, God forgot about you. So sleep with my, my maiden, Hagar, and let's just try to create this in our own timing because we know when is best for us. And I'm telling you, when you do things out of God's timing, you end up with more strife and contention that you have to dig out of later on. You could read the whole story about Abraham waiting on Isaac in the, in the season while he was waiting. They got impatient, him and Sarah. And during that time, Ishmael came and, and it was a point of contention for their whole family, the strife that, that later on played out between Ishmael and Isaac and Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and the whole thing. God's timing is better. So I'm sitting in this restaurant and I said, please, please, can you see this? I'm starving. And they said, you'll, you, you, you'll get a table, just wait. 40 minutes goes by. I see someone get up from a table and I'm like, I am going to sit at that table. Ashley said, just wait until a waitress seats us there. I said, babe, the violent take it by force. I am going to take this table for the Lord and for us. And I'm going to get us some spinach dip, your knight in shining armor. I'm going to stake claim to that table, you know? And she was like, oh my goodness. You know, she's embarrassed by me. She's like, I'm sitting over here. I'm waiting until the waitress seats us. I was like, okay, I'll be waiting over there with the spinach dip. So, you know, I go walking over to the table and right as I'm about to sit down at the table, the waitress says, stop, don't sit down. I said, why? The waitress said, because if you sit down right now, you're going to inherit someone else's mess. You don't know that there's ketchup, mayonnaise, mustard all over those seats. You're about to sit down in a mess that you're not prepared. You're not prepared for that mess. You don't have the utensils to clean it. I said, I don't mind. I can clean it. She said, no, I have the utensils. You don't have the utensils to clean it. Just wait until I clean up the table. Then I will seat you. And I think sometimes we're trying to rush into something. And God says, if you would just wait, I can clean that person up. I can clean this situation. Don't rush into a relationship. 
thinking you can be the missionary that leads them to the Lord while they're in a process of just getting out of a previous relationship and, and, and they're not ready to go right into a new relationship because they just walk through a whole lot of heart, painful situations. God says, I, I promise you, I'm cleaning the table. It's almost ready. Just wait, just wait. How long? God says, trust me. I'm doing a work that you cannot do. And if you try to do it, you're gonna bring a whole lot more strife between you and this person. I can do something that only, listen, God can do something that you cannot do. Trust his timing. Number four, to move from starvation to satisfaction, I gotta live with self-control. A fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5 says, do not use your freedom to indulge in whatever your flesh wants, but rather serve each other out of love. Self-control says, I do not have to give into my flesh. The opposite of self-control is self-indulgence. Self-indulgence means I have no restraints over what my feelings desire. If I feel it, I do it. If I want it, I get it. This is why the Me Too movement came out, because people didn't have any restraints. I'm telling you, we're living in a society where people have to come back to self-control. Self-indulgence leads to self-destruction. Self-control is a fruit that's developed. The more that I spend time with Jesus, the more that I yield to the Holy Spirit, the more he produces the fruit of self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Why did Eve take the forbidden fruit? Why did Adam take the forbidden fruit? Because our eyes always go towards what we can't have. Our eyes are always craving what's not allowed. I need it, I want it, I gotta have more of it, you know? More, 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 but once you get it, it's not enough. What if we could bust the lie of lust before we go in? What if you could bust it and say, you know what? I see this counterfeit for what it is. I see exactly what this is. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he is trying to stir up a starvation appetite in me, thinking that if I get this thing, Lust always promises what it cannot deliver. It promises you total satisfaction, but once you get it, another picture, another video, another situation, another thing, I'm telling you, it leaves you constantly empty, wanting more. But self-control leads to life. Self-indulgence leads to self-destruction, but self-control leads to God glorification. Number five, to move from starvation to satisfaction, I have to let God satisfy the desires of my heart. Jesus wants to meet the needs and the longings of my soul. He came to give us everything we need. Paul said in Romans 7, my flesh craves what my spirit knows I shouldn't have. Now, Paul was a terrorist before he was a pastor or an apostle. Paul was not a perfect man. Sometimes we look at people in the Bible and we go, yeah, well, he was perfect. He never struggled. No, no, he said the struggle is real. The thirst is real. I understand the hunger pains. I understand not getting what you want, the desires, I get it. Paul says, oftentimes on a daily basis, I'm wrestling with that. Some days I'm doing good. Some days I feel like I am dying on the inside because there's desires I, I have that aren't being met. And those unmet desires, those unmet needs cause me to feel overwhelmed. Paul says, I'm a wretched man. This is Paul the apostle talking. And all the faith people go, hold up, stop. He shouldn't confess that. He needs to confess that his best days are right in front of him and God's not finished with him yet. And he's the head, not the tail. And he's a champion. He's more than a conqueror. Paul's being real. He says, I'm wretched. I am constantly dealing with this internal turmoil where I want to do right, 
but my flesh, it's like right when I leave church, my flesh starts craving the donuts again. I gotta go to Krispy Kreme and I can't just eat one, I need a dozen. And after a dozen, I already feel terrible, but I want a dozen more. You know what I'm saying? Like once you start eating the Doritos, you just start eating the whole bag. Who's ever been there before? 10 of us are gonna be honest this morning on this snowy Sunday. But those at home, you know what I'm talking about. The cravings, I gotta have it. I need more Doritos, more Coca-Cola, another Ron's bacon cheeseburger. I want more. Whatever desires you have, they may not be bad, but Paul says, what do I do with it? What do I do with the struggle? I'm trying to lose weight, I'm trying to stay in shape, I'm trying to be a good man, trying to be a good woman, trying not to give in to the desires of my flesh, but it's hard, Paul, it's hard. And Paul the apostle says, what do I do? Who will deliver me from this turmoil within? And then he says this in verse 25, thanks be to God who gives me the victory through Christ Jesus, my Lord. David said it like this, as the deer panteth for the water, my soul longs after you. For you alone are the only one who can satisfy me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Paul the apostle said, I've learned the secret in Philippians 4 verse 11. I know what it is to be in need. But I've learned the secret to be content, whatever the circumstances. I've learned how to be satisfied even when the dun-duns are right in front of me and I'm hungry. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it's like to be homeless. I know what it's like to live in a home that you see on Zillow that everybody wants. I know what it's like. I've learned the secret to be happy even when my friends are driving a brand new car, when they're getting married, when there's wedding after wedding after wedding and she gets a ring by spring and they have another child and these people move into a nicer house and this guy gets a promotion and this girl gets a brand new dress. I know what it's like to see everyone getting the desires of their heart met while I'm still hungry and I've learned to be happy. I've learned the secret of being content. I've learned a satisfied life in every situation, whether I'm well-fed or I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or living in want. And here's how it happens. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So the dun-duns look good but I see what they are. And when it's time for me to have a done-done and God wants me to have one, it'll be a bonus. In the meantime, I'm not starving. I'm satisfied. Will you stand to your feet all over this place? God wants us to move from starvation to satisfaction. Here's the thing. When you do this, your whole world changes. Everybody you see, every situation, everything, every relationship changes. I'm telling you, you become the giver instead of the taker. You become the happier person in the room. A satisfied woman, a satisfied man will always be the leader in the room. A starving person will always be the, the tail, constantly following. I need, I want, I need, I want. But a satisfied person is in charge. I'm in charge of my desires. My desires don't control me. I control my desires. There was a man two weeks ago who raised his hand during our service when I said, who's having a hard time? Who needs a blessing this morning? And I was walking around. I was on a motorcycle and I started giving out 
gift cards and, and, and some people in the church had given me $50 bills to give out. So I was giving people $50 bills and this man raised his hand. He said, I'm in need, I'm in need, I'm in want. I've had a bad week. I could really use a break right now. I could really use, I could really use that. And I locked eyes with him and I went and handed him that $50 bill. And I said, God sees you, God loves you, God cares about you, you're not forgotten. He cried. Last night he came up to me at Saturday night service and he said, hey, I wanna tell you something. During the middle of church, comes up on the front row, he said, I wanna tell you something. I said, what is it? He said, I'm the guy you gave the 50 to two weeks ago. I said, I remember you. He said, yeah. He said, I was having such a bad week. He said, I left church and I felt so loved. I felt so loved by God. Thank you. I said, yeah. And he goes, because I felt so loved, I was driving and I went to Quick Trip to go get gas. And I saw a homeless man. And the Lord said, he needs it more than you. And he said, I went and I gave him that $50 bill with a cheerful attitude. He said, it didn't even feel bad. He said, in fact, I felt so much more happier even after I gave it because I was giving from the overflow. I was giving from a satisfied place instead of a place of need or want. See, a cheerful giver can only flow out of a satisfied soul. You can't be a cheerful giver when you're a starving person. But when you're satisfied, you look to bless other people. He said, the next day, someone gave me a hundred bucks and it was a bonus. I didn't even need it. But the Lord was saying, I see what you're doing. I see how you're helping other people. I'm telling you, when you move from starvation to satisfaction, your whole life changes. Would you just close your eyes all over this place? If you need more of God's satisfaction in your heart, your life, just lift your hands up today. You might be married, single, dating, engaged, but you're just saying, man, I just need to live with more satisfaction. I need to stop listening to the lies of the enemy that somehow I'm missing out, the fear of missing out. I, I'm done with FOMO. I'm breaking up with never enough. I'm ready to be a more satisfied man, a more satisfied woman. I wanna take more delight in the Lord and what he's doing in my life. I wanna live as if the world does not revolve around me. I wanna stop being so needy, so high maintenance, so, so constantly on the take. I wanna be the giver. I wanna be the one who walks in the room who already has his needs met. I wanna be satisfied. If that's you, just keep your hand up. Second thing here today and you say, you're watching online, maybe you're raising your hand right now online. You're saying, Paul, I'm not right with God. I need to get right with God. I need to surrender to Jesus. On this cold, snowy day, whether you're at home or you're in the room, if that's you, just raise your hand. It's a beautiful day to say, Jesus, I surrender. Yes, yes, hands going up. All over the room, those that are watching online, come on, this is why we do church in the cold. This is why we never stop. This is why we never shut down. This is why the church continues to open up and move forward in a pandemic, because there's always someone who needs Jesus, who needs more of God and more of the gospel in their life. Those of you that raised your hand, if you want to, you can leave your seat. Come and meet me at this altar. You don't have to, but if you want to, come and just find a place at this altar. Those that are watching online, I'm gonna ask you to just turn your room into an altar, wherever you're watching this at. Close your eyes and just say, God, I surrender. Lord, I receive more of you. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to fix my eyes on you. Lord, I'm choosing to see and receive all that you have for me, that I am satisfied in you, by you, from you, through you, God, that you supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory, that I am learning that secret of contentment in any and every situation. Lord, that I'm waiting patiently 
on everything that you've lined up for me, every desire, every dream, every relationship, every promotion, every future season. I'm not gonna miss out on the present because I'm obsessing about the future. I'm all yours, God. Just say this with me, Jesus, you satisfy me and you're more than enough. I'm all yours, God. I receive your spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. Self-control. I belong to you, Lord. I'm all yours. I repent of sin. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me patience, for satisfying my soul. Just hold your hands out, just like you're receiving. He's just, he's just pouring out his love this morning, this Valentine's. He's saying, happy Valentine's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord is saying it over you. Happy Valentine's. You are so loved. Yeah, he's just whispering over you. The love of God is covering your sin, covering your shame, covering over your inadequacies, insecurities, inferiorities, the, the places where you feel insufficient, where you feel like you're lacking, where you feel like needs haven't been met. The Lord's saying, I got you, I got you. And those practical needs that you have, I'm gonna meet those, I'm gonna meet those. I'm gonna bring people in your life, friends. I'm gonna bring the right person at the right time. Trust me, I've got you. Don't wait in a lazy place, wait with purpose. Wait just continuing to become who God's called you to be. God's gonna give you vision. He's gonna give you a download. He's gonna remind you who you are. He's gonna remind you that he's for you, he's with you. In Jesus' name, Lord, do what only you can do. Bring the healing, bring the hope. Bring the salvation. We need you, God. We need you, Lord. And we receive your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your love. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.